you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On NFL Pods. It is your Monday Locked On NFL, and today we are sponsored by Visa. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol to tap and pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner, of the NFL. It was a wild weekend in the NFL. Some ridiculous finishes. Buffalo takes care of the Rams 35-32 after a very questionable DPI call. Uh, Pittsburgh takes care of Houston 28-21. The Bears come back to beat the Falcons with Nick Foles 30-26 with a wild fourth quarter there. And then the late games 100% delivered on what we wanted them to be. The Seahawks Beat the Cowboys 38-31. The Packers hold off the Saints 37-30 in what was the marquee matchup of the weekend. It may only hold the title for game of the weekend for about 24 hours with the Ravens and the Chiefs looming. But the Packers and the Saints played an absolute barn burner on Sunday night in New Orleans. Delivering on the hype with Green Bay coming out on top. 37 to 30 to help me break it down. Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints, joining me now. And Ross, this was a game where it was a show me situation for both teams. Was the 2 0 start for the Packers real? And could the Saints look like the, the Super Bowl contender we thought they'd be coming into the year? And I think the answer to both of those questions after this game is yes. Yeah, exactly. No, this was a fantastic game, and it, it was basically everything that we had hoped for in you know in terms of viewership and, and watching this game, and you know to, to come out and the Saints being able to put up thirty points with the offense being as stagnant as it's been over the first couple of weeks, but being able to sort of turn it around over in the offensive side a little bit, particularly with the help of Alvin Kamara, and then you saw Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers just look absolutely unstoppable. Both of these teams also down their top option, their top receiver option, Devontae mm-hmm. Adams over on the Packers side, Michael Thomas over on the Saints side. So that's another level to each of these offenses that's going to end up uh, being added. I think the big difference between these two teams and this game really just came down to mistakes and uh, mistakes over on the offensive side and penalties in particular. But outside of those sort of let's call them miscues, there were a lot of good things for both of these teams that should have you know each of these guys you know each of these these teams and these coaches feeling pretty good about what they've got moving forward the saints probably a little bit tougher because they have to work through the loss but outside of you know uh, the the miscues that we've seen a lot of promising stuff for both of these teams yeah and and the saints needed to get right a little bit i think offensively they they know that they can rely on alvin Kamara, and and Mm -hmm. we knew that coming into the game but i mean what he did 
that long run. I mean, making no fewer than five Packers <laughs> miss, uh, including Will Redmond, who had him dead to rights at right. the line of scrimmage, maybe even behind it. I mean, he finishes with 13 catches for a buck 39, two touchdowns. That that's to go with the six carries for 58 yards. If you're if you're gonna have a, a loss like Michael Thomas, it's pretty nice to have someone like Alvin Kamara. But we knew that. Right. The, the question for these two teams is defensively: Are they going to be good enough? And and does it matter in the NFC right now? Because Seattle can't stop anybody either. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that's going to be really interesting to watch as the NFC continues to unfold is which of these defenses ends up looking the best moving forward. And I'd probably say that the strongest defense that we've seen thus far in the in the conference maybe is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but even they, you know, run into a lot of issues as well. So it's really interesting. And then, of course, you know, the the Packers will eventually get Kenny Clark back. How does that affect their particularly their defense against the run? Yeah. Things like that. So they will continue to be you know, additions, uh, additions and changes and, and sort of fine tuning throughout the season here. But you know, when you look across the NFC and you look for those teams that are going to be the best as we expected so far, as Denny Green would say, the teams are who we thought that they were. Uh, and, you know, and I think that's exciting. I think that that's very exciting. You know, the way that the NFC is shaking out so far, there's a, a lot of potential and there's a lot of firepower across the NFC right now. And I think the Saints, for them, they'll get better when they get more comfortable taking uh, more shots against cover two. They're really, really getting controlled by cover two defenses, Tampa two defenses, not being able to take shots down the field. There's a lot of question marks around whether or not that's Drew Brees' arm. But even still, if you can't develop the plays, you can't develop the plays. And if the offensive line can't hold up long enough for those plays to develop, you're not going to ever find out if it's Drew Brees' arm or not. Right. You know. And so I think that that's an element to Green Bay's offense, as we saw tonight, that is very present. And they can take those shots down the field with you know whether it's Devonte adams or whether it's uh alan lazard who is exactly who we thought he would be in tonight's game too in terms of how great he was and so i really look forward to seeing these teams get you know sort of get into rhythm because I think there are things that you could see with the Packers that were kind of out of rhythm for them during this yeah. game and, and a couple of things that were Rodgers was off lapses. early there were some yeah. accuracy issues and then the, the fourth yeah. down stop it's not like either team right. played a perfect game yeah and so I think that these teams as well as others across the league and and particularly across this conference with all the firepower that's here there's a lot of uh, teams that are only going to get better moving forward and one of the reasons why I think the Packers have reason to be excited about this is I felt like week one's game against the Vikings was Matt LaFleur's masterpiece. It was mm -hmm. the, the best called game I'd ever seen from him, uh, and, and that's going back to the Titans. And I thought he had a couple good games with the Titans, although that offense was not great. Mm -hmm. This this might have surpassed it, and and for us to be sitting here going that two of the three best games that Matt Lafleur has ever called offensively happened right. this season. I mean, he has he has improved as much as I was I was saying this to a media friend of mine. Uh, we were talking about th that that his improvement it might be the biggest difference year over year. Mm -hmm. I, I asked before this game, when do we start talking about Matt Lafleur as one of the best coaches in the league? And I think going up head to head against Sean Payton and beating him mm -hmm. in a shootout 
that has to at least get the ball rolling on this conversation, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you saw the the game plan that they put together. You saw the first week of the season. They were dared to beat the Vikings through the air. They did it. They were dared the second week to beat the Vikings, to beat the Lions on the ground. They did it. And then now here, you kind of had to, uh, you kind of had to affect the game and control the game, utilizing both. And you also saw a little bit more tight end involvement, which we weren't really sure we were going to see from this Green Bay yeah. offense because. You know, we were kind of wondering, like, okay, who's going to be the Darren Waller of this situation? Turns out it's any line, uh, any tight end <laughs> on the Green Bay offense. Uh, but it was great to see that, to see sort of the way that Matt LaFleur was able to game plan those other names that you aren't accustomed to seeing, you know, make these big plays, make these big catches, get these chunk yards, score these touchdowns, and to be able to do it with them. And then the other thing on top of that is that the other thing that you saw was Matt LaFleur being risky in his play calling, going for it on a couple of fourth downs. You saw Sean Payton being risky in his play calling, going mm -hmm. for it on fourth bringing Taysom Hill in at what I thought was a very questionable moment because mm. you just had Drew Brees getting comfortable with some of these receivers. The rhythm was working over on the offense and all of a sudden you take him off the field. So I think that, you know, sometimes there are situations in which you have too many weapons, you have too many ideas and you can shoot yourself in the foot. Like we saw with the Taysom Hill fumble there, Matt LaFleur doesn't have that to worry about. You've got one driver in that car. And right now that car is a Ferrari and that driver is, is Aaron Rodgers. And, um, and it's great for Matt LaFleur in this offense and this team. Yeah. To me, anytime you, you can take the ball out of your hall of fame quarterback or your superstar running backs hands and give it to your backup tight end to run wildcat, you just have to do it. It's just an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, you can't opportunity let, let, you can't let pass. Uh, and just to finish your thought on the tight ends here, the Packers tight ends combined for nine catches for a buck Oh four and two touchdowns including the somewhat controversial Mercedes Lewis touchdown catch. Uh, yeah. so I said somewhat controversial. Yeah, no, I'm, Ross. I'm, Come agreeing on. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with We're good on this. Uh, <laughs> and and I, we're going to be hearing a lot more from these teams moving forward. I don't think there's any question about it. Maybe it's a, a jumping off point for this Saints offense. And I'm sure we'll have you back on the program. Catch Ross tomorrow on Locked on NFL. And you can go listen to the Locked on Packers crossover we did last week. It was a great conversation. Always listen to Ross. Ross, thanks for coming on, man. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, keep up the great work. Before we move on, let's talk about CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete or a stay-at-home parent or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with menthol and CBD Recover. CBD Freeze is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try these amazing duos and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD promo code LOCKEDONNFL for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. There may be no bigger story through three weeks in the NFL than the play of Russell Wilson. He was incredible again on Sunday, leading the Seahawks to a 38-31 win over the Cowboys. They are absolutely unable to play a normal game. This one was 
as I said on Twitter, absolutely hammered drunk, even just through a quarter with a lot of wild stuff going on. But Russell Wilson still manages 300 yards, five touchdowns, a passer rating over 130. Joining me now to break it all down, Corbin Smith, host of Locked on Seahawks. And Corbin, uh, Russell Wilson is the best player in football right now. Have you been surprised that the let Russ cook movement not only landed but has lasted? I can't say at this point that I'm that surprised because when you look at some of the moves that were made by this team in the offseason, some of the moves they made with their offensive line, for example, bringing in Gray Olson, haven't even gotten to see Philip Dorsett yet. He's been nursing a sore foot and he's on injured reserve, but they were adding different pieces to the receiving core, adding more weapons around him. The offensive line seemed that they were catering a little bit more to pass protection. You started to see some signs last year that Brian Schottenheim was figuring out this is what we need to do, and they've just been much more aggressive. So I didn't expect it was going to be quite like this, but I expected that the offense was going to make some transitions to being a bit more pass-oriented and being a little bit more aggressive. And it's a good thing they've chosen to do so because with how poor this defense is playing right now, if you don't have Russ out there cooking, this team is probably 0-3 instead of undefeated. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because I, I looked at the numbers. Matt Ryan in week one, 450 yards passing Cam Newton, 397. Dak Prescott, 472 on Sunday. They're giving up almost 29 points a game. If Russ isn't doing this, to your point, they might be down in these games. How concerning is it that that this is something that they're having to not only allow Russ to do, but but they need him to do? I think it's extremely concerning when you consider the additions that they made on defense this offseason. You brought in Jamal Adams, who didn't play most of the fourth quarter today. He's got a groin injury now. He's been so good for most of his first couple games with the team. He had a couple breakdowns in coverage, but you lose him. Who knows how long he's going to be out. Maybe he plays next week in Miami. Don't know at this point. Quinn Dunbar had a knee issue, did not play today. You traded for him. Obviously, he had a pretty crazy offseason, but they added a lot of key pieces there. The one thing they didn't do was really address the pass rush. They let Jadavion Clowney go, eventually going to the Titans. Didn't give him the money that he wanted. Benson Maioa and Bruce Irvin, who's now out for the year of the torn ACL, were their one-year deal signings that they made to try to supplement that pass rush. They drafted Daryl Taylor. He's on the non-football injury list. And so all of this stuff is coming back to bite them right now. They're just giving up such so many explosive plays, big chunk yardage. And I don't know that I've ever seen a player in as somber of a mood after a victory as I saw Bobby Wagner today. You could just tell that he is really frustrated by how yeah. the defense is playing, giving up so much yardage. And they're really struggling to get off the field, too. And he mentioned that the third and fourth down conversions by other teams, it's just not sustainable to win games consistently, even with Russell Wilson throwing the way that he is. So they're 3-0, and but there are definitely some real issues here that this team has that make you wonder if they're really going to be a contender or not in the NFC. Well, I want to ask about that, uh, but, but first – you know, it does seem like this might be a little bit of a be careful what you wish for because early in Russell Wilson's career, he wasn't asked to do a lot. That defense was so good that his responsibility was keep it close, don't make the big mistake, and then in the fourth quarter, if we need you to do something, go make that one play we need. Now, you know, it, it's the opposite where he's being asked to do what we've seen guys like Aaron Rodgers have to do where it's all on them. It's all on his shoulders. You mentioned the contender part of this. Does does the defensive question marks keep them from being in that conversation with the best teams in the NFC? Or because some of these other teams look like they've got some flaws, might it not matter because Russ is just that good right now? 
I think the answer to that might be yes. <laughs> I think that when you look at the talent that they've got on the defensive side of the ball, I still think that there's reason for optimism that this group can figure things out. But that pass rush is certainly the one area that you would be very concerned about. They did get a solid first game out of fifth-round pick Alton Robinson today. A guy that had a really good training camp, and for yep. whatever reason, they didn't dress him the first two games. Didn't make a lot of sense, but now with the injuries, he's gotten to play, and he had a sack on their key game-winning drive to close out today's game. So they're going to be giving him more opportunities. They've got a couple other players they're intrigued by. They'll get Daryl Taylor hopefully back at some point. The secondary, they just have to keep guys healthy, though. Right now, that's been the biggest issue is Quentin Dunbar's now, again, dealing with that knee injury. Who knows how long Jamal Adams is out. If they can keep that group healthy, one of the repercussions of not having a normal offseason is you didn't have much of a chance to really get that group to gel with a lot of new pieces in there. And my thoughts have been that as the season would progress, they would get better. But right now, this group definitely is a major work in progress. So I think it's too early to really jump to conclusions. But if this defense doesn't improve a bunch over the next few weeks, then they are going to lose some games they probably should win, given what Russell Wilson is doing on offense. And that's going to make it tough to get a top seed in the conference. Well, and not to mention they play in an absolute war zone of a division. We think the 49ers are, are going to get it together. The Cardinals have been impossibly fun offensively, and the Rams look to be a resurgent team. I do want to point out Alton Robinson, a good Syracuse grad. So just, you know, another reason that I'm going to have my eye on him. Uh, this is going to be a fun team to watch week in and week out. Corbin, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. One of the major stories of the weekend was not just that the Bears came back from down 16 to beat the Atlanta Falcons, who are now winless on the season at 0-3. It's that they did so with three fourth-quarter touchdowns from Nick Foles, Big Nick Energy himself, and they did it after benching Mitch Trubisky, of course. That's how Foles gets on the field. Joining me now to break it all down, host of Locked on Bears, Lauren Cox, Lauren Mitch Trubisky benched after throwing an interception in the second half against the Falcons. Break it down for me. Was his leash really that short? Well, I think he had used up some of his leash, even though the team was 2-0 and heading into the game. It's, it's right. a really weird situation, but like, you know, week one against the Lions, it took a miraculous fourth quarter comeback for the Bears to win that game with three mm-hmm. fourth or touchdowns, which sounds awful familiar, but a lot of bad Trubisky early on in that one. And a week two but, against but the But Mitch Giants, Trubisky did have those fourth quarter touchdowns. Those count too. Correct. And and that's that's good, but it, it's the idea is that perhaps the Detroit Lions shouldn't require three fourth quarter <laughs> touchdowns. I mean, sure. It's sure. The Bears, even at 2-0, Matt Nagy kept saying, we're not good enough. What we're doing right now, this level of play is probably not sustainable. Like They were very real about how good their team was. And so I think coming into the Falcons game, again, a Falcons defense ranked worst in the NFL with the worst red zone defense in the NFL through two weeks, a small sample size. There was this expectation that like, okay, Mitch, you need to be good for four quarters against this defense that's been dashed. And he wasn't, it's not that he was awful. It was not, I mean, he was better against the Falcons than he was in the first half against the Lions, but it was sort of this culmination of, Things are falling apart here very quickly. The momentum is slipping away. The Bears are at risk of losing this game that they really don't feel like they should lose. And it all kind of culminates in this third quarter interception where it was like the Mitch Trubisky experience in one play where he still, as a fourth-year quarterback, can't 
fully read coverages. When you ask him to go through a full field progression, he gets to like his number four receiver, Jimmy Graham, crossing the middle of the field, and he's not reading the coverage. He doesn't realize that there's a zone defender right to this space that he's going to throw to, and the defender steps right in the way and picks off. It was an easy interception, yep. a terrible decision, a terrible throw from Trubisky. And it, I think it's Matt Nagy saying, all right, throws his arms up, you know, metaphorically. All right, I've seen enough. He, he hasn't become this massively improved quarterback that we thought he could be. So Nick Foles comes in and he does what Nick Foles does. And and he shepherds a team to a win, throws three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They scored 20 points in the fourth and beat this Falcons team that, as you said, has been absolutely an abomination on defense. Does this performance then make it so that Foles is the guy now moving forward? It's always felt like as soon as Trubisky gets put on the bench, that's it. Unless there's an injury down the line and you just are forced to play Trubisky again. It feels like, especially right. with the way this game finished, but even before, once once Foles goes in the game, that's sort of it. You can't you can't diminish your your former number two overall pick quarterback, his confidence, shoot it all aside, throw him on the bench, and play this back-and-forth game at quarterback. So this is, regardless, I think, of the outcome of this game, this is now Nick Foles' team moving forward. And we saw as the game went on, he got a little bit more comfortable with his receivers. The timing was a little bit better and took him a little bit to kind of get up to that full rhythm. But by the end there, he was really slinging it. He was. The, the go-ahead touchdown to Anthony Miller with pressure in his face was a thing of beauty. I mean, it was really good. This was also, right, Lauren, the, the case for starting Trubisky was – well, you can't put in Foles, and then if Foles is bad, go to Trubisky, but you can do it the other way around. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I probably would have just gone with Foles, but the the Bears get to do this the best way possible because they, it didn't cost them a game. They're 3-0 and now in a division where the Vikings and the Lions don't look very good. The NFC, perhaps more wide open than we thought. So how good can this Bears team be with Nick Foles moving forward? Well, it's another one of those weird spots that the Bears are in because they're 3-0, and haven't beat the Lions, Giants, and Falcons, who I don't think will have a win between them by the time this week is over. I mean, it's really hard to tell if this team is good because it still took a miraculous fourth-quarter comeback against two of those teams. And <laughs> right. the Bears' schedule is about to get a bit more difficult. Colts, Buccaneers in the next two weeks, and then by the time you get to midseason, Rams, Saints, and Titans are all in there. I, they're better with Nick Foles. I mean, Nick Foles made throws that we haven't seen Mitch Trubisky make, but their receivers have to get better. Their defense has to get better. Their offensive line has to get better. A lot has to get better for this team to truly contend for an actual like playoff push. But the odds uh, when you start 3-0 to make the playoffs are extremely high. So I think just by default, they've got a good head start. It was one of the crazier things to see all of a sudden he's out of the game, but but Nick Foles coming in, they get the win, and, and now they have the whole season in front of them. They get a chance to make some noise, and they need it because Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's jobs could very well be on the line. Lauren, I appreciate it, man. Hey, anytime, man. Thanks. All right, before we finish up, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. Done. Full stop. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and no wonder with flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, German chocolate, peanut butter brownie, toffee almond. And you're going, how can this be healthy for me? Why? I don't understand it. Well, here's the thing. All their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They found a way to make them taste delicious and still be low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. These things are absolutely nails. Put them in your golf bag. Throw them in your gym bag if you go to the gym. 
Or if you just need a snack, you just want a little something sweet in quarantine, you've been craving it, and you don't want to feel bad after you eat it, Built Bar is the move. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off. If there is a 3-0 team flying under the radar, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. They take care of the Houston Texans 28-21 in what I thought was a, a well-played game uh, in stretches. <laughs> we'll get to that. Chris, Chris Carter here from Locked On Steelers to break it down with me. And, and Chris, uh, this game against... Houston, it was the Watt brothers matchup. There were a lot of of questions coming in if the Texans could, you know, get off the schneid a little bit. Was Pittsburgh really as good as, you know, we thought they could be coming into the year where they look like they might be the third best team in the AFC? What was your big takeaway from what turns out to be a, a big win? Uh, my biggest takeaway was the second half turnaround um, from, from the Steelers. They really started to figure some things out. Uh, in the first half, the defense was giving up some plays here and there, and it was kind of crazy. First half, they literally went three and out, touchdown, three and out, touchdown, three and out, touchdown. I mean, that was exactly the play dr- the, the drive <laughs> chart there. But in the second half, um, the way Deshaun Watson was beating them, the way he would break contain, the way he was finding receivers, you know, his second read and sometimes his third read, the Steelers were getting more consistent as far as figuring out what his primary reads are, how the, the Texans were trying to scheme open different guys, and they were communicating a lot better in that second half. Peter, they allowed 51 total yards yep. of offense in the yep. second half to Deshaun Watson, who was on mm-hmm. fire in the first. To me, that was the biggest turnaround. And then the offense finally closed out a game with a touchdown drive. Uh, in their last two drives, their only two drives of the fourth quarter, they did. They had 12 plays for 79 yards and a touchdown, and then 11 plays for 62 yards, and they knelt inside the 10. Uh, total, those took up, oh, 11 minutes and 50 seconds. That's that's domination. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson finished the game, you know, averaging almost 10 yards an attempt. Had a had a passer rating near 111. He was excellent to start yeah. the game, and and you look down, and at the end of the game, the Steelers had 12 quarterback hits. Uh, T.J. Watt and Stephon Tuitt absolutely exerted their will on this game. And, and I think that's the difference for me when I watch this Pittsburgh team is they can beat you with their offense, with with the myriad weapons. I mean, Juju, it was Eric Ebron, his first big game as a Steeler. You, they also have Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson and these other guys who can beat you. When you look at this team, the Bills get a win. We know the Chiefs and the Ravens are good. Where do you think they belong in the hierarchy in the AFC? I think they're right there in that second tier of all the teams. You got the Chiefs and the Ravens at the at the one A one B, and then right there, the Steelers are are there with the Bills and whoever else you want to put at that tier. Um, but the thing is about the Steelers is that they're three and zero, and they haven't. I don't think that they've really come close to yeah. playing their best football. Their defense is playing well enough to win, but they're still they're still playing well in spurts. Right. You know, like we haven't seen some of the defensive shutdowns they put on last year, Peter and. Uh, and you're right. To, and I, I said this at halftime. I said Tuitt and Hayward were going to have to step up their interior pass rush and controlling those gaps to, to, to stop what Watson was doing. And you saw that in the second half. Four quarterback hits, a sack um, for Tuitt. He was going berserk. The, they, they, they really stepped that up. Um, when they're clicking on defense and the offense is – they don't have to put up 30 points anymore. They, they, and like you were saying, they have all these different options. It's not, hey, take away Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and you can stop this team. It's 
you have to worry about Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, James Washington, Eric Ebron, and James Conner yeah. all at the same time. And Ben Roethlisberger, who now does seem to be seeing the field a lot better with how he's spreading the ball around. I believe now he has seven touchdowns uh, thrown. Three of them are to Juju Smith-Schuster. The other four are to completely different receivers. Yeah, and, and you look at the, the Steelers last year. They go 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, with with really subpar quarterback play. I mean, Mason Rudolph did not play well. Duck Hodges uh, may not throw another NFL pass. Uh, so w- when you're getting yep. Ben Roethlisberger out there, I think that's what makes this team so intriguing for me. Is defensively, as you said last year, they dominated games. They took over games. This pass rush, this front four, six, seven. I mean, they can they can exert their will on a game in a way that very few teams in the league can. And we saw it in the second half. This Houston offense can be very good. And they shut them down. To me, their defense is what separates them and, and I think, to me, makes them a scary team in the AFC. Chris, this was great, man. Uh, we'll uh, we'll have you back because I'm sure the Steelers will be playing in a lot more big games this season. All right, I want to finish up today's show with our Monday Minute. Everyone wanted to make their jokes. He became a punchline in the pre-draft process. Josh Allen, why did NFL teams fawn over his ability? But we actually knew the reason. It was the stature. It was the athleticism. And of course, it was that howitzer attached on the right side of his body. Josh Allen was a tall, big, strong, good-looking guy with a rocket arm. Of course, he was an NFL QB. And of course, the NFL had to be wrong for thinking that he would be good because his college numbers weren't great. He made some head-scratching decisions, and he went way too high in the NFL draft, at least until he didn't. And this is why NFL teams go gaga over players like Josh Allen. Not only does he have all the tools He has the charisma and the leadership to be a franchise player. And when these guys hit, they change everything for your organization. And they have changed everything in Buffalo because Josh Allen is reaching his potential. He was outstanding again on Sunday in a huge matchup against a very good defense. If you're able to put 35 points on the board against a Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald defense, a team that has come in hot, you are getting the job done. 24 of 33 for 311, four touchdowns, a passer rating almost 130, and the game winner late in the fourth quarter. The Buffalo Bills are no longer a quarterback away. They have the quarterback that could make them a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and they are that right now. We'll be back tomorrow. Ross Jackson, Luke Braun getting you set for the week four matchups after breaking down an incredible Monday night matchup. Ravens, Chiefs, so much to look forward to. Check them out there. Check me out on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Go listen to Locked on Packers if you don't already listen. Subscribe. And of course, stay Locked on NFL.